You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. Belly head up to the nine foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. My name is Chris. His name is Ed. Socks in the basement. 30 minutes of socks for fans, by fans, all brought to you by Family Waterproofing Solutions. Today on the show, today, Ed, we have Ben Verlander and Scott Greger. Uh, Fox Sports One is going to be doing the Saturday game. Who knows what lineup Tony LaRusso will put together for that one. And Scott Greger's on the ground in Cleveland, and I want to know what the hell is going on. Before we get into the insanity of the last couple of days in Cleveland that have made no sense to me whatsoever, I want to remind you that Family Waterproofing Solutions wants to protect your foundation, your basement, wants to keep water out. They'll take care of everything from your gutters to your foundation issues, rising and falling concrete. You don't need to break that up. They can fix that and level it all off. That is a foundation issue. Bowing walls, seepage, some pump issues, whatever it takes, they're going to do it for you and they're going to give you a free and concise estimate. Give them a call 24-7. Mention Socks in the Basement. Get money off 708-330-4466 or check out FamilyDry.com and see... What a difference a family makes. Why is Larry Garcia a three-hitter all of a sudden in Tony LaRusso's mind? In the two days that he was off in Cleveland due to weather issues, did he did he take up an addiction to crack cocaine? It, 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 did his mind snap? Is he drinking again? What the hell is going on? I have no idea. I don't think anybody, even Larry Garcia is probably sitting there going, Yo, Skip, are you sure? Yeah, I'm not a three-hitter. Really? Yeah. No. Yeah. I, I I mean, what are Larry's strengths? He's, he's a switch hitter. Okay, so there's there's that. Uh, he is... That's really his strength. He's a utility player. Everybody knows right. he's a utility player. He knows he's a utility player. Okay? The guy who, after his team, gets crunched in two games of a doubleheader, and you could sit around and spend an hour talking about Tony La Russa's lineup decisions and how he played that doubleheader coming off of two days off. Two days off, you have pretty much every pitcher available. You could have changed your rotation around. You got Giolito coming back on Sunday, thank God, but you don't change a thing. You get destroyed in the first game, all right? And no adjustments are made to what you're planning on doing in game two. You basically don't care. You give up two to Cleveland, and and then you come out the very next day, and Larry's in the, in the three spot right after you as a manager say, I'm confident in our offense. You're so confident in your offense, then you go out the next day, and for only the third time in his entire career, the second time being the day before, Garcia's hitting in the three spot in a lineup that has everybody available. I, I'm so confused as to what is going on right now with, with the White Sox starting lineups. I mean, you, you have everybody in the lineup. You got Anderson and Robert and Abreu and Grandal and Jimenez and Sheets and Burgers available, and he's playing over at third base. And of all of your options, you're going Robert in the two-hole, Garcia in the three, Abreu in the four, Grandal in the five. Like, I, I noticed that he's going with a righty-lefty thing back and forth against Plezak, but you could have had Grandal bat third. He would have been a better option. Uh, Gavin Sheets could have moved up a little bit from the seventh spot. He could have he been a better option. 
but instead, even, what, even Adam Hazley is a better option. Let's face it. Instead, what you're doing, <laughs> instead, what you're doing is you're going with a guy with a 660 career OPS over 2000 plate appearances who's hitting 077 with an on-base percentage of 111 and an OPS plus of negative 32 so far this season. And you're like, you know what? I think he should be batting third. I mean, I, I could understand it. So taking the offense's struggles into, you know, the bigger picture. Eloy Jimenez is out. He's, you know, he after he fouled that ball off his ankle, it's bugging the heck out of him. So they're giving him, you know, some time to get through that without putting him on the DL. You, you have... You know, Jose is always a slow starter. Grandal is obviously productive, even though his batting average once again is in the tank. You know, Sheets and Berger, and you know, there's guys that are struggling. Really, Tim Anderson's the guy that's hit. Yeah, but Lurie Garcia's struggling too. He's hitting no 77, Ed. It's not like he's all world. It's not like he's the hottest bat in the lineup. That's my point is, is that I could understand if you're trying to jumpstart the lineup, if Lurie was hitting 375 along with TA, if the middle of your infield is the only two guys on the team hitting. And you're like, all right, I'm going to put Anderson's our leadoff hitter. Larry's hotter than, you know, lava, and I'm going to throw him right there. But he's not hotter than lava. He's colder than lava stone. And he really is not a guy that that is – he's not going to shake you out of your slump. And it's not like you're loading up the top of your lineup with on-base guys or base dealers because Larry's not really a stolen base guy either. He's just – He's just a guy. He's a nine hitter. He's a seven hitter at best. He's a bench player. He's a bench player. Listen, I'm sick of this. I'm sick of this. I'm sick of the Larry Garcia apologist. He is a career under 700 OPS. He's not a major league hitter. He's a triple A player. He's replacement level. And he has, from time to time, had some magic occur because that's what happens at some point in your career after all of those plate appearances, you should every once in a while have a moment. And congratulations to him for having those. But on a day-to-day basis, he is a bench player. And we have a manager who thinks he's more than that. We gave him $5.5 million this year as a bench player, and he plays basically every single day. He gets just as many days off as your regular all-star players that are on your team. He's treated as though he is one of those players. He is not one of those players. You may have his jersey. You may be related to him. You may be his, you know, a, a cousin of Larry. He may give you tickets every day to go to the ball game. But you are fooling yourself if you think that Garcia is an everyday player on a contending team. The manager thinks he is. The manager, in fact, not only sees him as a as a super sub. No, no, no. He sees him as the option, an option for hitting in the middle of your lineup. He actually thinks that your your offense is tanking, and your first thought is to go with a guy who's not hitting this year and has not really hit over his ten year career at any level at any time that would suggest that he's the guy to put in that spot. Little league managers aren't this stupid when they come up with lineups. Even a guy whose kid on a little league team is so bad that everybody knows he's bad, but he's the coach's son. And the coach is convinced that he's just won it bad away from breaking out, going to high school, being all state, getting a college scholarship, and eventually playing in the majors where dad can sit proudly in a skybox that the team provides. We've all met these crazy people in little league. Tony LaRussa is worse than that because that guy wouldn't start Larry Garcia in the three spot. This is ridiculous. 
Want to talk about how much Dallas Keuchel sucks now? Yeah, let's talk about Dallas Keuchel, too. Tony La Russa hates Dallas Keuchel. As much as he loves Larry Garcia, Tony La Russa hates Dallas Keuchel. Tony La Russa is the guy that sat there at the beginning of spring training and said, here are my one, two, and three guys in the rotation. I don't know who the four is, but Dallas is definitely the fifth. Yep. Like, And then Tony leaves him out there in the second inning to give up nine runs. <laughs> like He just leaves him to die. Like For every piece of love that Larry Garcia gets, the opposite is Dallas Keuchel, a pitcher who's no longer very good and continues to make excuses that it's somebody else's fault but his. And, and that is not going to go well on the south side. It, the reaction to him talking about the defense after, after the game, the defense was not responsible for the majority of those runs. If, if the eight runs would have been scored in the first inning with the errors that happened in the first inning, okay, fine, maybe you have a point. You still don't talk about it to the press, but maybe you have a point. But as a veteran pitcher who's clearly on the downside of his career and doesn't have very much, whose manager has no respect for him whatsoever, okay, and has shown that in his comments and the way that he left him out there, for Keuchel now to be sitting there complaining about the defense, you will not last long. And maybe that's what they want. Maybe there's a, maybe the idea is we don't want to eat this $20 million. Maybe we can get him to retire, okay? Maybe we can make his life so miserable he quits. I, I can't figure out the Dallas Keuchel thing as much as I can't figure out the Larry Garcia thing. No, and, and, you know, you look at what Dallas did yesterday. So, okay, were there four errors in the game? Yes, there were. And is that excusable? No, it's not. But the errors aren't really what caused it. It's not like he gave up, you know, the, the 10 runs and they're all unearned or something like that, you know, where it's 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 bad. I, even his own words, he's sitting there saying, you know, a lot of first pitch swing, a lot of ground balls. Nine singles and a blast? I'll take that. Well, nine singles, dude. You give up nine singles over the course of two innings, you're getting blown out. You'll take that. Okay? <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I, I didn't understand his commentary on it. He gave up eight earned runs out of the ten. It's, it's just, you know, no strikeouts, one walk, one wild pitch. I mean, he wasn't good. What kind of hallucinogens are they handing out the White Sox dugout right now? Because Tony's on him, Dallas is on him, and several other people seem to be on them as well. Well, yeah, I don't know. And, and then, you know, you look at it, too, and, and after his first start, you and I talked about it, how he changed up his pitch selection, right? And he was going away from the sinker, and he was going after more sliders, more change-ups, more cutters. He was trying to work those things in and change how he looked to teams. He went right back to 54% of his pitches yesterday were sinkers, and I really don't even think they count as sinkers. I'm going to be dopey dad joke guy and say that he threw 54% stinkers. Wow. This is why we have two guests today. This is why Ben Verlander's coming up, Scott Greger as well. We've got a lot to cover here in just 30 minutes. This is Socks in the Basement, found everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SocksInTheBasement.com. Wow. If you're heading out to the ballpark this season, and I'm sure you are probably multiple times, one of the must- go-to places around the ballpark, cork and carry at the park. 33rd in Princeton, in the shadow of the ballpark, an award-winning menu of burgers and ballpark favorites, an extensive bar with rotation of craft beers, familiar favorites, spirits, wines, indoor, outdoor seating, 
It is your home base for White Sox pregame, postgame, and viewing parties. On Mondays, when the Sox are not at home, two for one on the burgers whenever you dine in. But like I said, on game days, this is the place to be. It's where we go before and after a game. Great food. Great ambiance. It's not going to kill your wallet. I am always leaving free socks in the basement swag over there. Look around for it, and we will see you soon. 33rd in Princeton at Cork and Carry at the park. On the phone line with us right now, he is the host of the Flippin' Bats podcast. You see him on Fox Sports 1, and from time to time, he releases power rankings and forgets the Chicago White Sox in the middle of them. Ben Verlander's on the line. How are you, Ben? I'm great, man. Thanks for having me. You know, I got to be honest with you. I gave you a little bit of grief about that on this show, and uh, I do appreciate you jumping on. How do you forget a team like the Chicago White Sox after all the hype over the last couple of years, like coming up? I mean, here they are. They're going to be playing the Twins on Saturday. They're clearly a big deal now, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They're a big deal. And I've been uh, I've been on board with them since the beginning of last year. Um, I, I'm a big believer in this team. I think they had one of the most complete rosters on paper. Um, and it, it's pretty simple how it happens. You know, I do those power rankings every single week um, and they were in them every single week. And then the one week, you know, I had them, I forget exactly where I had them. I think I had them at like five and then I deleted them because I wanted to move them up to four, you know? So I, deleted the five moved the team fourth up to fifth and then i just like forgot to add them back in and i'll you know like that's how it happens and the next thing you know you're like public enemy number one in chicago for trying to move the team up your power rankings but you end up forgetting to put them back on and that's how it happens yeah white Sox twitter can be something fierce okay and i you know we we <laughs> we, we we also made fun of it on this show i gotta be honest but uh, let's talk about the what what's going on with the the socks right now uh, first of all, really weird week for them. They get two. They get two days off. Tony Larusa then decides that Larry Garcia is suddenly a number three hitter, even though over his entire career he's never had his OPS over seven hundred. He doesn't look like a three hitter. He's really a bench piece, and he's playing with his his lineup right now. They, they've lost a few games. They've had a little bit of a, a roadblock or a speed bump here in Cleveland, and now they're going to take on the Twins this weekend. You guys have one of the games on Saturday is going to be on FS1. What do you think about this team early out of the gate? They've got injuries and stuff, but, I, you know, I don't know. I think White Sox fans expected them to just come out gangbusters, and they're not getting it. Yeah, you know, there aren't a ton of teams that you look around like, man, they came out as expected. Look, it's early. Uh, it's early in the year. And there was a shortened spring training and it's cold. You know, you can make all the excuses in the world. Um, I, I'm a believer in this White Sox team. I think they'll be great. I think they have all the talent in the world. I think Luis Robert is, uh, is, is one of the best players in baseball and could potentially win an MVP someday. And he's not, he's not off to the hottest of starts. Um, so look, this lineup is too good to not figure it out. I am sick and tired of the injury bug biting the White Sox. Um, it, it was last year. It's happening this year. Uh, I'm tired of watching that happen, so I hope they can stay healthy. Um, but, look, once we get a little more into the season, they will be off and rolling, and they will be just fine. I, I truly believe that. They're just too talented on both sides of the ball. Pitching, they're great. Offensively, they're great. And uh, once everybody is clicking and, um, and, and, you know, into a groove, they'll be just fine. When you see the early injuries with the pitching staff, were you surprised that they only added a guy like Vince Velasquez and a very late signing in Johnny Cueto? You know, not really, because uh, the, the staff is obviously really good, but 
I think they believed in as much as I believed in Dylan Cease. Uh, before the year started, I had Dylan Cease being a, a top three, like a Cy Young contender this year. I really believed in him. I think he's an absolute stud. I was hopeful that he could put it, put it all together this year and be the dominant pitcher that we saw at times last year. And at least through the first few starts, I think that's shown itself to be the case. And I think the White Sox truly believed in him as a guy that could not only be like a good three, four guy in the rotation, but a guy that they can count on to be like a certified ace of a staff. So now you pair him with Giolito and, and you're looking at an incredible one-two punch in that rotation. You know, it's not surprising to me that they didn't go out and add, you know, once, once Len went down, that hurts the depth, certainly. But I think they just believed that they were good enough and that the rotation can be good enough so that it, you know, it can win games even one, even while Lynn is out. And, and Cease is certainly stepping up. There was a moment on Twitter during that really weird offseason where it was suggested the White Sox actually had a seat at the table and a, and a chance of grabbing your brother, Justin. Uh, was he ever really going to go anywhere except for back to, to Houston? Did, did the Sox even have a chance? Oh, yeah. He, he was, uh, yeah, Houston was definitely not um, a, a certainty by any means. Uh, it was his first time being a, a free agent, and there was a there was a lot on the table. Um, there were there were a lot of offers that he was very much so considering, and uh, it didn't look like um, you know who knew what was going to happen. But I, I can definitely say that there were a lot of offers on the table, and that it was anything but a foregone conclusion that he was going back to Houston. And, and when all was said and done, at the last second, it all came together. But Look, he was uh, he was definitely he was definitely um, interested in some other offers for sure. Let's preview real quick this series this weekend. Uh, the Sox going up against the Twins. I think White Sox fans, after watching the Twins come out of the gate last year and just fall right on their faces, uh, don't consider them to be a challenge. How do you see the Twins this year? Do they have a shot at getting one of those uh, playoff spots? What kind of team are they? Yeah, you know, it is, it's weird. Last year was one of the weirdest things I think I've seen in baseball with the Twins. They had a very talented team and just like you said, fell right on their face. And this year, um, they're, they've certainly improved in areas. Offensively, um, they are really, really good. And, and so far, you know, they're not putting up runs in bunches like I thought may be the case. And that I think will be the case. I think Carlos Correa is, you know, one of the best shortstops in baseball and deserves all the money that he got. I think he's going to be great. I think Byron Buxton is an MVP candidate. If he can stay healthy, um, he's one of the best players in the game. Now, that's a big if, obviously. He hasn't shown that to be the case yet. But when on the field, he's one of the best in baseball. So this team is really, really talented offensively. And they do have some guys that, um, that can pitch, and, and that's what worries me with the team, though. When, when their offense isn't clicking on all cylinders, uh, they're going to be really beatable. Um, so, look, I, I, think the White Sox, I think the White Sox do well in this series. They, they can pitch, and if you're a team that can pitch and shut down a good offense, um, I, I think you're going to do well against the Twins because they're, they're going to give up some runs as well. Sox Twins this weekend. It's going to be on FS1 on Saturday. And you also do the podcast Flipping Bats. And, uh, you know, look, podcasting, it's it's a thing now. Everybody's got one. Even I have one. I'm just a guy who sits in his basement <laughs> and talks about the White Sox. But I'm guessing the name of the show is because of your affinity for bat flipping. Is there a, is there a guy you look forward to uh, bat flipping wise when you're uh, when you're watching the game? Are you a are you a Tim Anderson bat flip fan? 
Yeah, you know, I was about to say, even before you said that, I was about to say Tim Anderson. He's kind of the guy that, like, really put bad flips in baseball on the, you know, on the forefront. He did it a few years ago, and the whole world got up in a storm about it, it seemed, and now now look where we are. Everybody's doing it. Everybody's, you know, it, it's everybody's understanding that it's good. It's exciting for the game. I think it's important for the game. Look, for, for too long, um, people have viewed a bat flip or, or storming around the pitcher's mound as um, showing up the other side, showing up the pitcher, showing up the batter. And the fact of the matter is it's just not true. The game of baseball is very fun. It's exciting. And uh, there's a lot of emotion involved. So uh, let that emotion out. Have fun playing the game. It, it's a game at the end of the day. And it's fun to play it. So uh, I, I'm all for it, and I'm very appreciative of, of Tim Anderson for what he did a couple of years ago. You know, Ben, you played the game, and I, I just wonder before I let you go what you think of what the Giants are doing right now, the Gabe Kapler comments from last week. I loved it, the idea that we're going to just run up the score and get into your bullpen and put put pitches on those arms because we want to win the entire series and we want to weaken you as the series goes on. A lot of old school people hate that stuff, but you, I mean, you're, I, I want to say you're right around 30 years old. You're a young ball player who's now turned into a broadcaster. So I would imagine you might be a little bit more new school. What did you think of that? You know, I, I love it. And and in between those lines, it's, it's a war, it's a battle. And if you can, if you can put up some runs in the first battle, of the series, uh, then yeah, let's, let's get into them a little more. Let's put some pitches in a bunch of their guys. Let's make it so that on, you know, game three of the series, we've seen this guy already and we put 20 pitches in them and we all know what he has, you know, that, that stuff matters. It really does. Um, so look, I hear the crowd of, well, you know, don't run off the score and blah, blah, blah. There is a place for that. There is a place for, you know, if you're up, if you're up 10 nothing in the ninth inning, you don't need to be stealing bases. You don't need to be dropping down bunts. Uh, I'm all for that. But when it comes to the guys swinging away and hitting, um, I, I, it is. It's, it's a battle between those lines. I love what he said. I love what the Giants are doing. I love what they've been doing for the past two years. They've been constantly underrated by everyone. And then, you know, they did it last year. They won the NL West, well over 100 games. And now this year, you lose Buster Posey, you lose Chris Bryan, everyone's saying, okay, well, they can't do it again. And now they're out of the gates hot again. Um, and Gabe Tapler is, certainly has his fingerprint on what's going on over there. And uh, he's, a, he's a very new school leader, and he's doing it well over there. I mean, it's very impressive what they're doing. Ben Verlander, an MLB analyst for Fox Sports and also the host of Flippin' Bats. Check out his podcast. You'll see him on Saturday during coverage of Sox Twins on FS1. Ben, you're welcome back anytime. Thanks for joining us. Of course. I appreciate that. Ben Verlander, our next guest, Scott Greger, and every guest on Sox in the Basement now proudly brought to you by the Village of Lamont. Timeout Chicago just named it one of the best one-day getaway locations in the entire Chicagoland area. Experience a downtown with real history, great eats and drinks, green spaces filled with adventure, breweries, wine bars. They've got outdoor activities for all ages over at The Forge. Shop, dine, drink, and explore in Lamont. Learn more at lamontdowntown.com. Scott Greger, what the heck happened this week? Well, I think the highlight, Chris, was uh, Monday and Tuesday when there were no games. How does that, how's that? Because, uh, 
Yeah, that doubleheader, the doubleheader on Wednesday and then Thursday's game. Um, it's you know I can think of Tanner Banks pitching four scoreless innings in Game One uh, Wednesday. That was that might be the highlight of of the week so far. So yeah, just not good in any area, uh, especially offense. You know they're not hitting. The, the the pitching's been okay. I mean the defense with Tim Anderson. Uh, you know he's kind of taken that. Everybody thinks. Like that next step toward a Gold Glove. Well, he's got he put himself in a hole. I think he's had four errors in the uh, last two two days here. So bad base running. Um, just yeah, you know, not not a whole lot of good ever really seems to happen to with the White Sox in Cleveland, and then that's continuing as the Guardians. You know, before it was the Indians, obviously. So I'm sure they're looking forward to getting to Minnesota. Scott Greger uh, covers the White Sox beat for the Daily Herald. We're lucky that we have him on. I I, I got to ask you about this, and I don't know if it's come up yet in any questioning, and maybe it's something for you to to monitor, Scott. I, we've been noticing, we talked about it on the last show, and I just looked at this this last game of the series against Cleveland. White Sox batters essentially swinging at the first pitch just under 50% of the time. It, it, they are really aggressive at the plate. In that last game against Cleveland, 14 guys came up to the plate, swung at the first pitch. It resulted in two hits, an awful lot of outs. The offense isn't going anywhere. And Cleveland, when you look at what happened in that game, they can tell pretty much any time a White Sox player didn't swing at the first pitch. I think it was 14 out of 17 times it was called a ball. They're not giving them anything to hit early in the count, and the White Sox can't wait to get up there and swing. Do you think they're getting really aggressive early on and that might be a problem? That's a huge problem. Um, you know, it's like you see some of these young guys. Like I, I've noticed it really with Jake Berger, just really over anxious. But I mean, he's like, I mean, he's he's only got what twenty game major league games under his belt, missed three years. You can kind of understand him, you know, just trying to swing at anything. But I mean, this happening still with Jose Abreu doing it, and Tim Anderson, you know, is not going to walk. He's actually hitting. He's like the one guy that he's not fielding, but he's actually putting the ball in play. But you know, Frank Manichino, the, the hitting coach, distresses, like most hitting coaches, you know, don't, just don't put yourself in a hole. Don't be overaggressive. And, um, you know, it does happen. And it's, it's kind of like, you know, something to keep an eye on. Like you said, right now, it, it usually levels out. I'm sure it will. But um, if this is two weeks down the road here and it's still happening, it's going to be a problem. Do you think that there's a possibility, because we've kind of explored it a little bit on this show today, uh, and when I say explore it, I yelled about it for a few minutes. Do you think it, do you think there's a possibility that Tony LaRusso is not a big fan of Dallas Keuchel? Like he he came out at the, in spring training and was like, here are our one, two, and three starters, and Keuchel's the five, but we don't know who the four is yet. And then he kind of left him to die in the second inning of his last start. Like, w- is there something going on there, or am I reading too much into it? You could say, Tony, but I think it's even more, the, you know, the front office. If you really look into what Dallas, Keuchel's contract looks like if he hits 160 innings this year, he's got an automatic option that kicks in for next year for quite a bit of money. I believe it's over 20 million. Um, he's falling apart physically. His ball's not moving like he it used to. He's not keeping it down like he used to. Can't get lefties out. You know, I think with with yet with, with the you know the game one of the doubleheader there, they they had to almost leave him in there in the second inning and just hope that you know he can't blow out. Even though they do have an expanded roster, but I think the problem was just covering, you know, so many innings. And uh, uh, yeah, but it's the whole Dallas Keuchel thing is it's not good, and it's it, it's Tony, it's the front office. It's you know, it's, it's going to be a long year for Dallas, I think. 
Yeah, hopefully it's not going to be uh, much longer watching this team kind of struggle a little bit. What do you think is the key? You're watching this team. You've been covering this beat. You've you've talked to these players. Uh, you were down there in spring. I'm sure there was an awful lot of, uh, you know, this is our division to take. Liam Hendricks was on this show over the offseason and famously said it's 162 warm-up games for the for the big thing in the postseason, like just, he's he's just assuming we're winning this division and we're going after a World Series this year. Now they come out of the gate and they stumble. Uh, I would imagine it's probably a shock to them. And also, uh, something has to click. What do you think is is the key here? Is it a certain player? Is it a pitcher? Is it just getting healthy? It's you know what, Chris. I, I hate to just paint such a broad brush, but it's all of them. It's obviously the, the injuries. I mean, it's like it's almost ridiculous. You know, every day, it's Louis Robert today. Uh, he looks like he's going on the I.L. They're getting A.J. Pollock back tomorrow. You know, how long does he stay healthy? Um, he was great in his first two games, but he's got a track record of injuries. Josh Harrison injured. Uh, Lucas Giolito is supposed to come back Sunday. You know, can he stay healthy? He had some issues in the second half last year. Lance Lynn out till June. Um, you know, he's, he's not getting any younger. So I think you start with the injuries. You go back to what we just talked about with the offense. I mean, that's a real good offense. I just don't see them. Um, you know, maybe they got the wrong the wrong memo about like let's speed up the, the you know the time of games here. It's like you don't have to swing at every pitch to do that. <laughs> you know, I think they'll get that ironed out. Um, if you look around the division, I mean, I don't think it's a, the division. The rest of it is going to be as bad as it was last year. I don't think anybody finished over five hundred, but the White Sox a little bit better, but it's not good enough that I think the White Sox, I mean, I think the White Sox will probably be like last year. They'll settle down, pull into first place sometime in May and just kind of, you know, go from there. But um, there's just a lot of, you know, it's, it's early, but there's just, you know, the health, the offense, and even like the defense, you got to clean that up a little bit. But still like 12 games in, I'm not really, if I'm the White Sox, I'm not overly worried. Scott Greger is nice enough to come on this show. He writes for the Daily Herald. Make sure you check out uh, his coverage all season long. Uh, really good stuff. And, uh, you know, I, I just love it when we're able to talk with somebody who, who who's with this team, who's talking with this team, who's able to give me a better perspective of what's going on. Because I'm telling you, Scott, if uh, if I'm getting all of my, my buzz off of Twitter and Facebook, <laughs> I can get really upset really quickly as a White Sox fan. Yeah, you're going to be really depressed now. Hey, but yeah, on that note, Chris, you know, like the one, the, the best thing is, has nothing really to do with the win and loss record for the White Sox. But, you know, the, the clubhouses are back open again. No more Zoom after two years. So it is nice to, like, finally see these guys face-to-face that you've been seeing on computer screens. And um, you get a lot more insight, a lot more information. So if, if there's a positive to, like, the early going here, I would say for me at least personally that's it. Yeah, and you're probably making friends, right? Like, you got to start making relationships with some of these players who you really never got a chance to do that with when they joined this team a couple of years ago, right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's been, like, really weird. They shut down spring training, you know, like, right at the end there. So that was kind of business as usual for the first month of spring training. But, you know, that was two years ago. So there's only so much, you know, kind of contact you can get over you know, over Zoom. So it's, it's it's good. And when guys are struggling, you can find out maybe more and you get more information like what's going on. And um, so that, that should be uh, helpful for every, everybody that's a fan. Awesome. Well, go out and make friends, Scott, uh, and, okay. and enjoy it. And hopefully they'll start winning some more games. Thanks so much for joining us. Anytime, Chris. Good talking to you. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. 
in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found. And always on SocksInTheBasement.com.